Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. And we are here in the studio of uh, Grandview Baptist Church, thinking about things. And um, typically before our podcast, we have a conversation that kind of gets us in the mood for uh, these conversations. And uh, in this case, Stan, we were talking about um, authoritarianism, the rise of authoritarianism. Uh, Applebaum wrote a book on the uh, the phenomenon, uh, not just related to Trump, but Trump is a symptom of a um, an interest, a desire for clear speaking, shoot from the hip, problem solving, authoritarian leaders. And uh, Donald Trump fits that mold, but I'm just wondering if we need to have a conversation about how the church deals with the rise of authoritarianism. Is it something that we need to be warned against, or can leadership in the church be strong and godly at the same time? Uh, so let's have a conversation about authoritarianism, particularly in the church, and as the pastor seeks to be a leader especially. Well, that's a wide-ranging conversation, yeah. isn't it? I, I I mean, you mentioned Applebaum's book, uh, The Twilight of Democracy, which, which is looking at um, societies uh, around the world. And, and yeah, the, we, uh, the fascinating phenomenon of Donald Trump and, and, and the desire, obviously, of a mm-hmm. large share of the American population for the great man, the, the strong man who can come in to drain the swamp, as Trump put it, take over, m- move things back in the right direction. Um, I think it, it illustrates a, a frustration that people have with the current structures, the current people in leadership mm-hmm. who, who can't seem to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Now, th- there are some s- unique features about the American context. And uh, one of those features is the fact that the government governmental structures <coughs> in many ways seem designed to make it difficult to mm-hmm. get anything done. Mm-hmm. You have a bicameral legislature, uh, so you have the need to pass the same bill in both houses. Then it has to be signed by the president, who can veto mm-hmm. what's passed by both houses of Congress. But then, of course, with a sufficient uh, majority, they can override his veto. And um, but on and on it goes. Frankly, it's it's very hard to get anything done, and and so the people felt this frustration, and yet there's there's an ob- for Christians thinking about it, there's an obvious danger of of handing over the power to the great man, the individual strong leader, given what the given what the Bible and experience of that matter tell us about human depravity and and the the possibility of misusing power. Mm-hmm. What's the old saying? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And and we see that. <coughs> we see that in experience, don't we? So but leaders in the church, albeit servant leaders, are still leaders and 
what bothers me sometimes is that we go to the far end of the extreme and you've got these leaders who lead from behind, so as to speak, and they're not out front, they're not championing anything uh, lest they become a target, right? Right. And so there's this self-defensive way of being a leader, which is more of an influencer, which I know is a part of leadership. But I think leaders, good leaders, can't avoid being targets. Yeah, I think that's true. You're, you're referring to the people who seem to say, there go my people and I am their leader, so I must follow right. them. And we've now, I've mentioned to you before, I mean, I've, I've, I've lived and served the church on both sides of, of the border here in North America. And, it, and it's always been fascinating to me to see the extent to which Americans are, are much more accepting of what, what looks like a very authoritarian leadership style than Canadians are. In fact, I, I mean, I've known some American pastors who migrated north to Canada and flamed out here, I think because they, they couldn't come to terms with that church cultural difference. There, there is a difference. I've, I've puzzled over how is it that Americans who are all about the, the land of the free and the home of the brave and individualism, individual freedom, how can they accept this great leader? The only thing I can conclude is they, there's this attitude of extreme individualism, but it sort of says, okay, but that great individual can, in fact, rise to the top, and we will accept that. Like the first among equals kind of thing. Yeah. Well, okay, just let me push back a little bit on that, because <coughs> growing up in our fellowship, Canadian, we've al- we'd always get Americans to come into our conferences and tell us how to do <laughs> How to do it. (laughs) Yeah, how to do it. And uh, the reason we did that is because they were doing it. They were doing great things, you know, large churches, innovative ministries. How do you do that? So we'd bring them up here, and they would tell us how to do it. And we want that. We want great ministries. Right. Uh, And then when Americans would come up, as you say, okay, I hear I'm going to do it in Canada, English-speaking country, What's the difference? So they come up here, and they they can't seem to get the following, and they flame out. But tell me why we should not want to have leaders who are strong and good, who can create uh, large, influential ministries in Canada. Why is that not happening? Is it a is it a wrong? expectation even I don't think I don't think it is a wrong (laughs) expectation um, but there there is a sense in which that's um, cutting across the grain of Canadian culture where we we tend to cut cut them off the knees (laughs) if they they seem to be great leaders and that's not good we really do need strong leadership though though not dictatorial kind of leadership. I, I think, you know, we, there's, there's been a lot of interest over, I don't know, the last few decades in the concept of servant leadership. And obvious, I would say it's quite obvious that, that Jesus' attitude toward leadership is that of servant leadership. If, if you want to be great, you must be the servant of all. 
And that does mean a servant leader must lead in the direction of serving the common good, not just personal mm-hmm. preference. However, as, as you said, we, we need to remember that in the biblical picture, a, a servant leader is still a leader. So I, I think the, the really straightforward glimpse of that is in John 13, when Jesus, after washing the apostles' feet, says to them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, I am. But I have washed your feet. So the fact that he washed mm-hmm. their feet didn't was not a way of saying to them, okay, you, you guys tell me what you want and then I'll do it. It wasn't that. It, it, but it was about saying, I'm not, I'm, I'm not leading you in order to make myself look better. I'm mm-hmm. leading you for the, your good and the good of the whole world, frankly. So leaders in the church cannot be the passive types who simply say, all right, whatever the people want, that's the way we'll go. I mean, if you're going to be a faithful teacher of the word and lead in congruence with that, you have to be prepared to say, look, folks, look at the Bible. This is the truth. You know, whether that's palatable or not, if, now, if I'm misreading the Bible here, show me that I'm wrong. But if I'm reading it rightly, then you and I need to get in step and go down this road. So there certainly has to be a strength of leadership at that level of principle. So in in our context, <clears throat> we're looking for strong leaders uh, who who would be characterized by what? What what makes a strong leader a godly leader as opposed to just a, a, a dictatorial wannabe? I think a part of it surely is an, an ability to to articulate a clear vision of what obeying the word of God looks like, what it looks like to be the faithful church in our time and place. So So they're following, it's not the leader they're following necessarily, but like the leader is following Jesus, follow me and as much as I am following Jesus. And so the best thing I can do as a leader is to exalt Jesus, clarify the teaching of Jesus so they can follow. I think so. I mean, I mean that, well, that's the way the Apostle Paul phrased it. Follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about the pastor of a church being, being somehow infallible, but it is about the, the ability to, to understand what it means to be the faithful church, to understand time and place, and, and to be able to say, and I, perhaps it starts with that pastoral leader um, bringing along the rest of the recognized leadership, the elders, so that all of the elders, mm-hmm. the staff elders and the non-staff elders together are saying, look, this, this is what it appears to look like to be the faithful church where mm-hmm. we are now. This Going down this road would be a way of living out effectively what it means to be the church reaching our world. So do you think that if... If leadership were done collaboratively like that, so you've got a unified eldership team, do you think that in the Canadian context we can accomplish great things like we want to 
that we see in the states where it seems to be uh, very much centered in the strong man? Can, can we be as successful, if I can use that term? If we believe in the power of God and the gospel, how could we not say yes? Surely, surely that's possible. <coughs> um, Christ is at work as the head of the church. He's empowering us and leading us forward. His power is unlimited. Uh, we, we simply can't set limits on that. No. So mm-hmm. there, there's simply no reason why yeah. we, we couldn't see that kind of flourishing of ministry here in Canada. Yeah. I, I do think that from, from my, where I sit, if I as a leader can clarify a vision, it's not my personal vision, but a vision that I can show from Scripture is true, a vision that um, resonates with our movement in general, so it's, it's not my issue, it's a legitimate vision to show that I'm passionate about it, uh, to focus not on the leader, but on the goal, the vision, not just the Scriptures, what it teaches, but what we are doing out of that. I think that's the trick uh, for a leader so that people are following a goal that has been clearly established. They're excited about the vision and the leader who is leading them in that is quick to absolve himself of any uh, credit. It's all about moving forward and we all celebrate that together. Right. Uh, A good friend of mine who teaches preaching has (coughs) referred to preaching, the preacher, as the lead listener. And when you apply that to leadership, I think it's, it's, it's about saying, I am not the authority. God is the authority. God's word right. is authoritative. My task is to be a mediator of that word and, and be the lead listener to it. And I lead by example, by responding myself yeah. and saying, let's go this way because God has revealed it. Yeah, but I'm not dispassionate. I'm no, you have to it. be passionate. And we talked about plural leadership, and I think that there's, there's an incredible value, uh, both biblically and practically, in that. But realistically, yeah. there's going to be a lead voice, and that lead voice is going to be the lead pastor, mm-hmm. and, and, and that, that is still going to be important. Well, Stan, you've been an elder here at Grandview for a long time. You're taking a year off. I hope it's just a year. I don't know what your plans are. You're busy doing other things, but you've been a great part of our eldership team. And uh, if I haven't said it before, I'll say it now. I'm very grateful for um, your participation, your wisdom on the elders team. Uh, so, But we are out of time, and we're going to have to uh, reconvene next week here on Thinking About It. Until then, I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. Thanks for listening. Keep on thinking. Thank you.